Hey e-commercers, did you know that SubSummit is returning May 31st to June 2nd in Dallas? Check out subsummit.com for all the details and grab a ticket because we would love to meet you there. If you are going to go, let us know via social media or email us on howdy at ecommercepodcast.net and let's connect. I feel stuck in a certain stage of business. Why don't they just get it? But just like in any relationship, sometimes when you go inwards and you look at like, wait, what is it that I'm not getting? What do I need to change about how I communicate, about how I show up? It can change the whole dynamic of a relationship. And we forget that that's the same with your customers and with your audience. Ch- figuring out what it is that you need to change to communicate better to them. And, you know, just seeing them again as that individual person is what can really shift and change that whole dynamic of a relationship. Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Now, the e-commerce podcast is all about helping you deliver e-commerce wow. And to help us do just that, today I'm going to be chatting with Monica Sherma Potnicker about discovering the human element behind the numbers. It's an intriguing title. I can't wait to get into it. But before we dive into our discussion, uh, let me share with you my previous podcast pick. Oh, yes. A previous podcast episode that I think you'll enjoy. And yes, there's a lot of peas in that. Uh, so check out uh, top content and marketing advice for your online business uh, from Tim Hughes or check out From Startup to Growth with Maureen Mwangi. Another great episode. You can get uh, access to my podcast picks or our entire podcast archive for free on our website at ecommercepodcast.net. Plus, if you sign up to uh, our newsletter, we'll send you the links to our podcast picks along with the notes and of course the links from today's show with Monica they all get delivered straight to your inbox at no cost to you which is pretty amazing now I'm sure you've come across right a bunch of folks stuck with their e-commerce business you may even be one of them you may have got siloed like I did uh, working on just one or two areas of your business and miss the big picture well enter e-commerce cohort to solve this problem. It's a lightweight membership group with guided monthly sprints that cycle through all the key areas of e-commerce. Yes, the sole purpose of cohort is to provide you with clear, actionable jobs to be done so you'll know what to work on and get the support to get it done. So whether you are just starting out in e-commerce or if like me, you're a well-established e-commercer or a bit of a dinosaur as some people like to say, uh, I encourage you to definitely check out ecommercecohort.com. Com. That's ecommercecohort.com, especially if you're an e-com. I mean, just go and check it out. Have a look. Let me know what you think. It's awesome. I'm in there every month. Uh, we've got some great people doing some great coaching in there as well. Uh, some amazing stuff has come out of the last few weeks, but do check it out. Okay, let's talk about Monica. She is an e-commerce brand mentor and consultant, a purpose-driven digital brand marketing and strategy professional with, check this out, 17 years of global experience building brands. She's worked across diverse sectors from companies uh, and companies from Fortune 500 to scale and startups. In other words, the ideal guest for the show. Oh yes, Monica, welcome to the show. Great to have you all the way from sunny Amsterdam. At least I hope it's sunny. How are you doing? Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Yes, I'm I'm all good. It's sunny now after a stormy night. (laughs) 
Oh, well, it's good for you. It's not sunny here. <laughs> At least it's not raining. I suppose that's a that's a that's a bonus, isn't it? Here yeah. in Liverpool. So, have you have you always been native to Amsterdam, or have you have you sort of? arrived there at some point? No, so, well, native to Holland. <laughs> I'm born and raised here. I always say Indian by heritage, Dutch by birth. Um, grew up in The Hague, my family's all there, but I've been living in Amsterdam for over 10, 11 years now as well, so oh, yeah. fantastic, fantastic. Uh, lovely part of the world, uh, and definitely I, put on the tourist list. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, that's awesome, that's awesome. So, with your experience in sort of building purpose-driven brands, Monica, I'm curious to know, how do you think tapping into the sort of the human aspect of brand growth can lead to, say, a more sustainable and successful business in today's fast-paced e-commerce landscape? That's a heck of a first question, isn't it? So let's just jump straight <laughs> that's, in. That's a very big first question. There's so much I can say <laughs> about that. So uh, let me dive in. I think one, I think you, like you said, you, you said it, you know, the fast paced e-commerce world. And I think over the last few years, decade, it has become such a huge numbers game, right? Yeah. Um, no, so much, if this is your conversion rate, this is the traffic, what should we tweak to do that? Sometimes it feels like it's, it's a little game, you know, what can you tweak to just increase those numbers? And yes, numbers are important in business. You need to know your numbers, mm -hmm. but if we just take a step back and just think about it from the bigger picture, depending what stage of business you're at, you're either getting, I don't know, 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 website visitors. And that's how we look at it. Like, oh, traffic coming in. But that's 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 individual human beings yeah. coming to your site mm. on a monthly basis. And imagine the ones interacting with you on social media, reading your emails, clicking through individual actual human beings. Now, if you had those people walking into store or at an event that you were speaking at, how would you interact with them? You know, as humans, we want to be seen, we want to be understood, we want to be heard. And, and people buy from brands that, that, that do that for them, yeah. you know, that they can relate to. And the biggest brands in the world you'll see are the ones that are able to tap into that because people buy, especially in higher price category, you know, not the daily grocery shopping I'm talking about, but actually those things that are the ones in life because of how it makes them feel. And being able to recognize that these are actually individual human beings coming to their site I always challenge people like, how would you speak to them if that's yeah. how you started, if that's how you thought about it? What would you be telling them versus just seeing those as, a, as another number on your website or in your analytics? Yeah, that's a very good point. It's funny, isn't it? Because I was talking to someone about this the other day in the sense that we've had, um, we, we were talking about one of the YouTube videos we put out yeah. that's had, um, I put it out, it was honestly, uh, Monica, it was the simplest YouTube video. I, yeah. Anyway, we put out this video, it's two and a half minutes long about how to create a PowerPoint. I think I put it out like 10 years ago. Do you know what I mean? I, I, it was a long time ago. It's, yeah. it's well out of date. Let me just tell you because PowerPoint has evolved. But I put this <laughs> video out and it's had over a million views, right? Yeah. And I was talking to somebody about that the other day. That's a million people yes. have watched the video. And I'm thinking... You know, when I go and watch Liverpool, I'm a bit of a Liverpool fan because I, I let's not go there. Anyway, uh, when I go to the stadium, there's 50,000 people in that stadium, yeah, right? Exactly. That's 20, 20 times that amount yeah. of people have watched my video. And that's just one of the videos. And it blows my mind when you think about it like that. 
Exactly. And that's my point. And so often we are busy thinking like, you know, oh, those people are not getting our message or they're not understanding. How do I find more of them? Or I feel stuck in a certain stage of business. Why don't they just get it? But just like in any relationship, sometimes when you go inwards and you look at like, wait, what is it that I'm not getting? What do I need to change about how I communicate, about how I show up? It can change the whole dynamic of a relationship. And we forget that that's the same with your customers and with your audience. Ch figuring out what it is that you need to change to communicate better to them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just seeing them again as that individual person is what can really shift and change that whole dynamic of a relationship. And I think sometimes that's where we've skewed too much to the numbers. You know, we need to find yeah. that balance between the two and find, okay, that midway. And I'm seeing that happening. I'm finally seeing Facebook ad experts now talking about, oh wait, we need to understand the customer. The algorithm is no longer working for us. <laughs> it's, it's about the messaging now. We can't just expect things. So you're seeing these conversations finally starting to happen. And I'm so yeah. happy about that. But I just, but I still see a lot of people hesitant to do that. And I say, I really challenge everyone to take that step back and just think of each person as an individual human being coming to your store that you are able to speak to. Yeah, yeah, that's no, a fair point. I think just if you look at your daily traffic numbers and then go, well, okay, I've had whatever, 1,000, 2,000 people. If you imagine those 2,000 people in an arena um, just sort of walking through, it's kind of like you're going to change how you're not going to be tolerating necessarily the stuff that on your website that you probably should be tolerating. Anyway, you said that um, you said that this makes you super happy, right? That, that this sort of a more of a recognition in this area. Yeah. Why does that make you super happy? What sort of drives you in this whole area? Well, I think what we forget is that, you know, business or anything in life, I mean, in that sense, it's about customer relationship. It's all about relationships, right? And uh, we are so focused on that really quick ROI, quick return on investment, whereas we forget that business is a long-term game. To build right. a, a long-term, sustainable, profitable business, it takes time, right? I can, I can quote... A lot of things it takes on average three years to build a profitable business or break even even if i look at some of the largest businesses in the world that we all admire some of them not even profitable or cash flow positive right so yeah. but still everybody's like what can i do now to see 10 times our way in the next 30 days and what we need to take that step back it's really about building those relationships for the long term and customer loyalty and you know just speaking to people as human beings and saying okay how do i what do they need to hear from me how do they guide them to the customer journey how do they help them and understand better what my products are about and what i do and why it would help them uh, and for me it's really about building those long-term sustainable and profitable businesses and not just that one-time fly-by-night um business that may shut down in the next six months to a year and also as a business owner to be able to have fun in your business uh, not just surviving but really thriving and having some fun whilst doing it and growing that business is going to help you sustain whatever lifestyle you want yeah yeah no i'm a big fan of having fun uh, in yes. business uh, we should do a whole podcast on that one day just how to have fun yeah. in business because yes. I feel like that's a bit of a lost art in itself you know everyone's got a little bit too serious uh, and you're just like no it's fine it's okay it's okay to have a bit of fun uh, exactly <laughs> you don't have to be Google uh, that was the other thing that I noticed everybody was like well you know Google's fine they can do the fun things because they're a big enough company and you're like no 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 no, no, you can do it because you're small <laughs> I, yeah, um, exactly I, I don't think a lot of the businesses are only are doing the fun things that's the opportunity we have as a small business owners to really connect with your customers and have some fun doing it. So what have you seen then, um, as we're talking about fun, because I, I, I could wax lyrical about this all day, genuinely. Um, 
what sort of things have you seen or what sort of things do you perceive to be fun then when it comes to customers? How, how can we do that? First of all, it's really, really going back to fundamentals, getting to know your customers. Um, the one thing I think people still don't do enough, and I have seen this create real shifts in people's, not just businesses, but mindset and how they start showing up. But really going back to understanding who your customer really, really is, uh, you know, what are the core needs, wants, and desires? Why are they buying? And then looking at, okay, how do I deliver that? And what's the value I, I bring to it? Um, but just even having those customer conversations, it's those deep dive customer interviews is when I start people seeing having a little more fun in their business. They're like, oh, okay, this is who I'm doing it for. This is what they really want. It's not what I thought. Mm. Uh, and it just changes how you completely show up. Yeah, no, fair, very good, very true. But, um, so the, the getting to know your customers aspect yes. of it, um, you mentioned they're doing uh, customer interviews. Is that what yes. you do? Is that, the, is that the route I'm going to go down to get to know my customer? Yes, absolutely. Of course, there are things you can do around it. You know, there's, there's, there's your analytics that will show you information. It's always great to dive into all the testimonials, reviews, any content, any conversations you've had, and even surveys, but they don't allow you to dive deeper into motivations and the why and really understand deeper what's going on with your customer. So customer interviews, I always say, is non-negotiable. Whether you choose to do it as a group with a focus group mm -hmm. or individual one-on-one, -on -one, you have to be speaking to your customers and really getting to know them. Yes, absolutely. That's really intriguing. So let's say, because um, I, uh, Monica, I know a thousand businesses that have never interviewed their customers. Right? Yes, uh, and most I know probably, many more. <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you get started with that? Is that just a case of uh, I'm just going to go down my customer? I'm going to pick this this customer's bought three times. I'm going to call them up. And go hello, Susan. Uh, it's Matt here from uh, you know Acme Corp. Um, I see you purchased from us three times. Can I ask you some questions about it? Is that is it as simple as that or is there a bit more to it? Well, it could be as simple as that, but I always say to first reach out to your customers, you know, email them. Um, you And I always say it's really great. You start with those customers who are the most loyal because those are the easiest, obviously. You'll have the customers who purchase from you really often. They're uh, the ones who maybe only purchase once and stopped. And then there are people who you've seen have been following you, opening your emails, but just not buying. And it's really nice to be able to, you know, speak to different people from those groups. But start with the most loyal ones because those are the easiest. Email them, reach out to them and just say, you know, um, I'm looking to, you know, serve you better and improve my business. Um, would you have some time to speak to me? It's just, and, and then you'll see that quite a few people do respond. And that makes it so much easier to get on a call because then it's not yeah. like a cold call where, you know, people are going to think, are you trying to pitch me something? Mm -hmm. uh, no. So just email them, reach out to them first and people will tend to respond and then get onto a, a call with them. Yes. Fantastic. And would you would you incentivize the customer to do that, or is it just you don't need to? You don't your, your you experience. My experience is that you don't need to, but I always do say I love just giving somebody as a thank you. It's like a little gift for your time. Thank you for your time. Here's a voucher. Here's something from my store. Um, it, it, it's just a nice gesture, right? To give something yeah. back for somebody's time. You don't have to, but it just adds that one level of appreciation for somebody's time. So let's role play a little bit, Monica. And now, um, so uh, I'm, I've emailed you, Monica, you've purchased from us three or four times. We'd love to have a conversation. Um, are you up for that? I guess they have used something, I guess, like Zcal or something like that to schedule a time that works for them, 
Right. And are you, are you, am, I, am I doing this call on Zoom? Uh, whatever works. Zoom is great because you can record the conversation. Um, it's nice to have it face to face, right? It, it always makes a difference. Zoom is great. Uh, you can record it to listen back to it. And I always say, and, and if somebody's really reluctant, you know, then obviously a phone call. But uh, try and do it as much as possible on like a video call where you can also see the person and record it for yourself just to be able to take notes later as well. Yes. Yeah, that's an important point, I guess, taking the notes later. As much as you hate listening to your own voice, uh, watching back the video I was actually going to help you make a better call next time, I would have thought, right? It makes a better call. It will help you pick out actual little quotes and, you know, cyberable words that you can use. But it's so difficult when you're in a conversation to note down everything somebody's saying, right, and really yeah. pick out everything. So it's really good to just ha be able to listen back and make sure you haven't missed any of the important things. Fair play. It's a bit like how I do podcasts, Monica. I'm not going to lie. I take down very basic notes as we go along, and then we have it transcribed, and we can pull exactly. out some really good yeah. information. Okay. Well, I, this is a beautiful thing. So um, we're on a Zoom call then, chatting. What sort of things am I going to want to ask you? Like, um, how do I, how do I know what questions to ask? Because I think that scares people. That it. In general, I think conversations like these scare people because people, I, I, I sense a fear, people have a fear of rejection, that people may not want to speak to them, they're afraid of any kind of criticism they may hear. Um, and I, my quick reminder here would be people love helping, especially small business owners and people love, again, back to that connection piece we talked about right in the beginning, people love connecting, they want to be seen, heard and understood. And they feel every customer I've worked with has come back to me and said, oh my God, some of those people I interviewed became my loyal customers they said you actually care many businesses don't do this so it is scary because you haven't done it before the more often you do it the easier it gets but just treat, remember that people do love helping people and they want to be understood so this is a great chance to also differentiate yourself and show that you care about them and then in terms of the questions to ask i have actually broken it down into a framework 4ds so um oh, desires over yes desires over demographics and Obviously, we do start a bit with the demographic, just get some of the factual information about them. It just creates a good picture and a perspective. And if you do ever do advertising and targeting, it will give you some great information to have sure. up front. So make sure you get those demographics down. Then for me, one of the most key elements is desires, which mm -hmm. I call it. So who is this person? What's going on in their life? What are their struggles? What makes them happy? What ha can help them get more of those moments? What do they really want in life? Um, and what's happening? So a lot of times people forget this box because they want to straight go into their products. But just like I said, people buy because of how your product makes them feel. You're not just selling a product. It's, it, it's a feeling and experience and it, it's about how that product fits into their lifestyle. So really try to understand that person beyond just the product that you're selling. Mm -hmm. And that's why this box is super important to understand. And then we go into the third one, which I call do. This is about behaviors. How do they behave within their category, your category of products? What are, you know, what are they doing? Where do they find you or competitors? How do they get to you? What's, you know, why are they buying? What's stopping them from buying? The triggers and barriers to buy? Uh, how does that whole experience of shopping with you make them feel? Mm -hmm. And then the final one is delight. You know, how that entire shop, what really makes them happy? What would they tell others about you? What would they tell others about the competitors they're buying from? You know, from the whole shopping experience to actually getting the products at home. What do they really love about it? What makes them really happy? And what could you be doing there for doing better? So it's really about understanding that person, demographics and desires, and then understanding the whole 
more specific to your product and category and how they purchase and what makes them happy. So mm -hmm. those are the four Ds. Fantastic. So I've got demographics, desires, do and delight. Yes. I got that down right? Absolutely. Score me. Okay, <laughs> so, um, so how long do these conversations take? They do take, I would say, budget easily anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, wow. If you and want do you to tell, do them well, yeah. Yeah, if you want to do them well. So 45 minutes to an hour, ironically, the same length of time as my podcast. I'm just saying. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's, it's almost like it's written in the stars. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm doing, I'm, I'm sort of chatting away 45. Am I letting the client know it's going to take that long in the original email? Yes, obviously. I, I usually say around 40 minutes to 45 minutes. And then if it takes another 10, 15 minutes longer, people don't mind. Yeah, people um, give you a little bit of grace, don't they? But they, if, I they guess if you do, tell them it's an hour, they'll freak out. They may freak out. So I always say, say around 40 minutes, 45 minutes max, you know, and then if it goes over and usually people end up enjoying the conversation once they're on, so they don't mind. And they like giving so much information away. Um, so t tends, it tends to go over naturally. So you don't have to worry so much. Yeah, very good. And how do you prevent then? Uh, I kind of know how you're going to answer this question, Monica, <laughs> uh, but I, I feel like I need to ask it. How do you prevent this scenario where I just happen to call that one particular person who is the outlier and they are completely different to everybody else? Right. Yeah. Um, and it just is just, you know, random luck that I've picked this one person or maybe these two or three people who are who are over there. But 97 percent of people are over here. How do I how do I know that I've done that, I guess? So first of all, you're not just doing one interview, right? You're going to be doing multiple. So you will start seeing a trend and the ones that are sticking out a little bit. I mean, that's it, it's as simple as that. And I think you need to keep doing these over a longer period of time as well for mm -hmm. yourself. Don't just make this a one time thing and I'm done because your business evolves, everything evolves, markets evolve, customers evolve. So keep doing that. And another way to do it is also to then use surveys, you know, say you've done these deep dive interviews mm -hmm. and you've got a basic understanding of who your customers are and you really got this gives you the motivation. It's about quality, really diving deep. But then you can use surveys to test it out over a large number of people, right? If this really holds. So then you can use what you've learned to then set up a survey and send out to a larger audience or an email list and then see what the consistencies in the answers that are coming out. So uh, the, these are multiple ways of doing it. But first of all, I would say is make sure you're doing multiple interviews. You're doing six, seven, eight of them. You will start seeing that there's one or two people who are answering completely differently than others. Yeah. Um, and that will already give you that feeling, okay, there, there is some differences. But you'll also start seeing some of the commonalities coming out. And I think it's more important to say, OK, what's really the common thread that's coming across all of these interviews? And yeah. often those will go beyond the, dem the demographics, maybe the outliers, but maybe what they really want and what they're looking for is is common. Um, and that's what you want to really focus on. OK, so I guess my I, how many of these am I doing? My, in my head, I guess there's two ways to do this. I'm, I'm like, well, I'm just going to do 20 and see what happens or I can talk to, I mean, you know, in my econ businesses, we have, I have the privilege of having a team. I don't know whether the team should do this exactly. actually, or the customer service team, or whether I need to do this. Um, do I say to each one of the customer service team, you need to do one call a day um, with one customer. And it's just, it is what it is, you know, and we, and we start to do this and we, we budget time for that. So over and we just do it con continually you know you get out I, I guess if we've got three people in customer service that's a thousand calls a, a year i don't know um 
what's the I guess what's the frequency? The frequency, I think, I think that's something you can decide, and, and it also depends on the size of business you are, how much support you have, you know, whether you're, you know, a sole founder versus like you, you have a team. Uh, all of that is going to impact it. But I would say if you can just even do this on a monthly basis. So if you've never done this before, I would say try and do eight to find eight to ten people that you can speak to, so that you can get that base done and have yeah. that deeper understanding. And then on a monthly basis, I would say even if you're just doing this on a monthly basis, that everybody speaks to one to two customers, uh, that will keep giving you that consistency and every time maybe somebody buys you new customers you say it can be trigger something in your system and then you can say hey let me speak to a few of these people we have some new buyers in or there are a couple of people have been coming back to buy more often you know so you can pick and choose i would say even just doing it on a monthly basis is it is really good and you'll be ahead of mm. the curve very good now you, i i'm not going to let you get away with it or i'm not going to let me get away with it but when i said uh, who should do this, my team or me? You said both, and I kind of yes. skipped over it. Uh, so I'm I know, I heard back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just want you to know you were heard. Uh, and so um, why both? Well, um, at the end, you're also leading the business, right? And I think it's everybody. I would encourage everybody that's involved in the business. So somebody from the marketing team not and the customer service team, even somebody from the product team, I would involve everybody. If you have a bigger business where you have different teams, mm involve all the people because all of them need to understand the customer to be able to best deliver the work they do and then pull those insights together mm. um and that makes a difference in everybody's work i think that you do so i wouldn't only leave it to the customer service and the customer facing teams i love that i love that the guys in the warehouse need to do the calls as well freaks yes. them right out that whole concept <laughs> of talking to people uh they, that's why they're in the warehouse they're like i like headphones and not talking to people um so here's the thing, right? Uh, and I'm just going to join two dots together because, you know, this is how my brain works. I've, I'm a big proponent. I'm a big fan of podcasting as a marketing strategy. And here's what I'm thinking when it comes to e-commerce business. I've seen I, lots of strategies when it comes to podcasting, uh, certainly for e-com businesses. And one of the things that I think you need to do on your podcast is champion your customers. Right. So what I'm what I'm what I, I'm joining two dots, I'm going like I could do this conversation and take part of just ask these customers, you know, a, a question, say, right, if you don't mind, we're going to feature this on the podcast. So then they get featured on the podcast only for maybe like five or ten minutes. It doesn't have to. You know, it's not a whole yeah. thing like this. Forty five minutes. Um, and that that actually works really, really well. Uh, and you're you're in effect taking uh, some research, which is super helpful anyway. Uh, you're mixing that with your marketing, which is yes. also super helpful, and you're promoting your customer to a wider audience, which is, yep. I'm, I'm winning on every kind of level here. Yes. So um, I just wanted to join those two dots together. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, yes. There's so many ways you can use this, uh, as long as I will emphasize get permission from your customers. Privacy. Absolutely. And confidentiality <laughs> is really important. Um, because I'll, obviously, also remember that if you do um say that you're going to share this somewhere they some people maybe hold back a little more so just keep that in mind about what part you want to share what not and that you're very open to your customers about that yeah no absolutely all top tips okay so um obviously the the customer interview is is a big deal right and i'm, I'm starting to do this i'm starting to collect the data i'm starting to see some patterns um which should hopefully impact my my business in some way i say hopefully because it's not a given right 
no, I, the given is, it's not just that you're going to get that information, uh, the observations and the insights from it, but it's about how you're going to translate that into your business. And consistently, I think what people forget is that, you know, just doing these interviews is not like the magic tool, right? It, it's going to give you information that you then need to bring into your business and consistently implement just like you do everything else into your messaging, into your content, into the ads you're running, into the products you're deciding to maybe launch new products, uh, into your customer service. So it's about consistently implementing that again into it for a longer period of time as well. And it doesn't mean that the whole testing and tweaking that you can eliminate that you still need to do that. Uh, it's just that you'll be able to do more educated testing mm -hmm. um, with the information that you've learned. So is this then how I got, I mean, coming back to the first mammoth question that I opened up with, um, is this is this how we we build then that sort of long-term loyalty that to build that sustainable business? Yes, absolutely. I think it, it's all about building customer relationships. So if you don't know who you're speaking to, how can you build that relationship for the long term? So you get to know them, but then make sure that you're consistently translating that into all the aspects of your business, every touch point that your customer is interacting with you and for a longer period of time, of course, and mm. making sure that, and then I would also really challenge is the part we tend to focus on the most is getting new customers in but with what you learn, with what you learn, also look at the post-purchase process because um, I feel like a lot of people still ignore that a lot. What happens to a customer once they've bought from you? How do you interact with them then? I think that's where you can really use everything you learn to really build that loyalty for the longer term. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, to be honest with you. Um, uh, so so I'm, I'm doing my customer service interviews I'm 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 getting this wonderful information I'm 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 using that data to change my marketing I'm using that data to inform my post purchase um, one of the things that I've seen Monica <clears throat> over the years yeah. is the rise of what I'm going to call customer personas okay yeah. so I walk into I remember walking into <laughs> into one sales director's office and he had like five pictures up on the wall, you know, that I, he didn't know who these people were, but they, they had names underneath them. Yeah. Susan, Simon, and Susan is this, 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 and this, and Simon is. And this was all data that they'd collated um, yeah. from their users. Some of it was demographics, some of it was their desires, some of it was what they do, some of it was what delights them, remembering your four Ds, right? Yeah. So um, are you a fan of the customer persona idea or is that, Am I in danger of stereotyping too much and I'm forgetting about the individuality of the person? I'm, I'm kind of yeah. curious as to where you stand on that. So there are two, a couple of things I want to say about that. So customer persona, if it's based on one, real customer interviews, right? Great. But I see most people building those customer personas maybe out of just analytical data, never have really spoken to anybody. Or I call that, you know, it, it, I always say real over ideal because ideal is something from your imagination. People call it the ideal customer persona. So as long one base it off these actual customer conversations and real understanding, uh, that's important. And to be honest, I think we go into so much details in some of those customer personas. What are people eating, drinking, and what are they reading today? Yes, that's maybe great to start a conversation, but it's not what's going to bring them to your store. Uh, I think sometimes we go just you know, down to too much detail that's not even needed. Mm -hmm. uh, too far and if you have the time and you want to do it great but i don't think it's required right it's not required i think sticking to those 4ds really understanding your customer to that level 
what's going on in the life, how your products fit into it, the trigger barriers, you know, in, in the whole purchase process. Um, that That's the most important I've seen. And we don't need to go down to really that kind of a level. What is everybody eating, drinking and watching on Netflix today? Yeah, too much detail. Yeah. So alongside too much detail, what are some of the other problems I need to be aware of or avoid when I'm developing this out? Well, again, uh, one, your own thoughts, <laughs> assumptions. A lot of people like building that in. Um, understanding that when we are uh, looking into customers, we stay. So you have your customer segment, right? The people with the common traits. Within that, you have that real person that you're actually speaking to. And I think a lot of people stop at that level. And what, you, what I keep saying is you want to get to that core desires. What is their needs, wants, and desires that they want? And it's sometimes, it's not it's not the solution that you're offering yet, but it's really what they, are, what they want out of life. And what could they be stopping? And making sure that you go down to that kind of a level. Really mm -hmm. the needs and desires. And that's the biggest element I feel missing in a lot of customer personas. They go into more of those behavioral things. And, you know, like we said, what are they eating, drinking, or watching today? But they forget what are really those core desires that they want in life. And then seeing how to you know, add your product into that. So really making sure it's based on real information, real conversations. Yeah. Uh, I think you're really going down to the desires levels and you don't have to go into way too much detail and just really making sure that you're not building in your own assumptions into it. So, uh, I'm sorry, I'm busy making notes here. And I, I, I a lot of it makes a lot of sense to me. I, I, I'm smiling because um, I think a lot of people get into e-commerce so they don't actually have to talk to people. I know. Um, <laughs> a lot of retailers are like, I'm going online because I've had enough of people. Uh, and so they <laughs> they just become like a faceless number. And here we are saying, no, 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 you must actually talk to people uh, and basis on real info. So then marketers come along and say, listen, for those of you who don't want to actually talk to people, we can run tests. So we'll, we'll split test is a, is a popular thing, isn't it? We'll split test this, this, this and this. And we'll pick whichever is the winning number over yeah. here. And, we, and that's basically testing your assumptions on yeah. nine times out of 10, right? You're going to go, exactly. I have a theory that that ad will outpull that ad. Let's put it out. Let's test it. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Um, but that's based on my assumptions. So here we go. You, yeah. You've told me no assumptions. I've got to use real data and I've got to find out the desires of the people that I'm talking to. Yes. Love it. There are a thousand people listening to the podcast now just breaking out into cold sweats. They're just kind of going, no, 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 this is not what I want. <laughs> but so how the, do you... the funny thing is if anybody's done any kind of course around growth marketing, growth hacking, one of the first things they say to you in that is uh, know your customer. Mm -hmm. But but still people are using their assumptions to do those tests. So it, there, there is a disconnect happening over there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But for those that are breaking out into a cold sweat, Monica, are there any other tools out there that are going to help me know my customer? Or is it, I mean, beyond obviously doing the interviews, um, what are the tools out there that I should think about maybe that I should add to my arsenal? Or is it just literally, you no, know, just focus on the interviews first and then the rest will come? So absolutely focus on the interviews first, because otherwise, if I don't say that, I can see everyone trying to grab those other tools. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's totally what's going to happen. It's totally. And, and avoid this. But other ways to enrich it um, are basically, I think, a hidden gem are your testimonials, um, mm -hmm. especially also negative testimonials of you or your competitors, because then you know what's missing. Uh, mm -hmm. Right. And people look at testimonials only from the product point of view. What are people saying about my product? But if you actually read and it, some people write 
really pretty uh, descriptive testimonials about I mm. bought this for my grandchild. It suddenly tells you a little more about the person and what reason they bought something for. So I would really say look into your testimonials, any conversations you've had, email conversations, uh, content you know, on social media. Then they are obviously sending out surveys. There's so many tools you can use for that mm-hmm. um, to test it out. And there are more and more. I don't want to name the names because I haven't tested them out yet, but I found out a few more AI-driven tools that scrape things off the internet for you um, from all the different brands and go through the testimonials of all other brands that exist in w- within your category um, that can really enrich that kind of data as well. But again, I think this is to enrich it. They still don't allow you to dive deeper into motivations, which is mm. where actual conversations are absolutely essential. Okay, so yeah, there's no getting around it, is there? You're gonna to have to actually no. talk to people. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, let's just do this deal with that one. So let's go back then to the desires aspect of it, Monica, because this really intrigues me. I mean, this is something that you keep com- uh, keep mentioning. Yes. How do you find out the desires? What sort of questions would you ask? So let's. I'm just pulling something off the desk in front of me. Uh, if you're a regular to the show, you will know that I have on my desk my uh, Lego Indiana Jones. There it is. Big fan of the old Lego Indiana Jones. Uh, I'm kind of curious, right? That's the product, say, that I sell. Um, how would I? How would I find out the desires of the person buying that product? What sort of questions would you be asking? So. I think it's more about the technique of the question versus oh, okay. what. Okay, so uh, what we haven't touched on, which is one big thing, is uh, I use a technique called customer story probing, where you invite your customers to tell you stories. See. What we do as humans, again, we rationalize things, right? Um, I didn't eat those fourth pair of leggings. I bought them anyway, and I'm explaining it away at home to my husband why I needed it because, oh, well, you know, I didn't have this color or look at the fit. Whereas, I I mean, honestly, I just wanted it, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just trying to explain away the choice. And that's what most of us do. And it's not that we're lying. It's just we don't realize it's all subconscious. So just like you use stories in your marketing because they're memorable, they're unique, they evoke emotions, it's the same way if you ask people for stories. Uh, they will tell you things that you may not otherwise get in normal questions. Normally we ask people why why you bought something, just like a child. Have you, you know, if you ever say mm-hmm. to a child after they do something they're not supposed to and you say, why did you do that, they're, just, they're stumped. It's the same with us as adults except that we try to explain things away. Mm-hmm. So, But instead if you ask them, a story versus just why they did something. They will tell you about something that was unique to them, memorable to them, and usually has an emotional element to it. And that's what, and then you, also you're going to have to dive deeper into, you know, reading between the lines and picking out, hey, what is it there for? What is really important to them? Mm-hmm. So it's really about more the technique that you use versus the actual questions. Because I think people ask, you know, what makes you happy in life? <laughs> well, great, you know, um, you know, I'll just say, well, I don't know, dancing, for example, <laughs> but versus saying, you know, um, you know, if you just think back to the most recent moment that where you felt really happy, tell me a little story about it. Mm-hmm. The answer you'll get will be completely different. And I can give you a really concrete example. I, I asked somebody this really recently and it was about the Christmas break. And we asked this person, I asked this person how they spent their Christmas break. And she said, well, uh, you know, what did you do? And she was like, I was out and about running activities with my kids all day. Um, we had to keep them busy and we were out and about doing activities, going hiking, going climbing, going for walks, going to the park. I'm like, okay, great. 
any brand would now build their whole messaging around this, right? Mm -hmm. But what I ask, okay, tell me a little moment that really stuck by you, what, that you remember the most, tell me a little story about it. And then she started telling me about how she was actually, the moments when she was snuggling with her child on the sofa, on the couch, when they were taking those moments of pause. And she kind of just lit up and she could see the difference as well in what she answered. And she's, I was like, so those were actually the moments that were the most important to her. And what really mattered to her was taking that little time out Mm -hmm. and to pause with her children versus being that busy mom running around something she felt like she had to do. Now, if you're a brand, look at the difference in the messaging you would do and what products yeah. you would probably creating by just having those two different answers. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, very, very, I like that. Because like you say, I guess the brand, you two options, haven't you? These trainers will get you from A to B faster or these sneakers will get you from A to B faster and more comfortable. Um, or this product gives you a memory making moment or something like that. And that's a very different, um, they're very good, very good. Uh, it's what Netflix did actually when they first started out. If you cast your, I don't know if you, the early days of Netflix, they had a picture of a family watching TV on a couch all snuggled together. I mean, they couldn't have got any closer together. And you look <laughs> at the picture and go, there is no way that's comfortable. They're all going to get hot and sweat, but they all look cozy. And, and, <laughs> and everybody that had a family was like, that's what I want. I want these sort of coach cozy times with my young kids and my wife, and we're just yeah. happy. Uh, and I thought it was very clever um, and tapped into a, a, you know, a success for them uh, using yeah. just that imagery. Yeah, and I think, I think Nike, everybody knows that. Their whole messaging is around everyone can be an athlete, right? Mm. Even you can. So yes, those are the comfortable shoes. They make you run, you know, the comfortable shoes, they make you run faster, but guess what? It, you know, it makes you healthier if you're exercising and guess what? Everyone can be an athlete, even you. Mm. Uh, I don't know about me, but yeah, no, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I don't. <laughs> Listen, uh, Monica, I could, uh, I'm just feel like I'm starting to scratch the surface in all of this. I feel like we could, uh, we could talk for hours. So let me, um, let me ask you this. My, my question that I'm, I'm starting to ask everybody. This thing's a really interesting question. Okay, so this is more uh, coming back to you. So as you know, the show is sponsored by e-commerce cohort, which helps uh, e-commerce businesses deliver e-commerce wow to their customers through coaching and training, right? So imagine you have been one of the trainers on cohort, and let's do this in person rather than online, and you're in a hotel, and you've delivered your, delivered your keynote, you know, how to do the most amazing uh, in uh, conversation with your customers. I need a better title. I'm not great with titles, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, and the cohorters are all in the room. They're like, ah, Monica, yay, go Monica. Um, and so afterwards, you, you sort of, after delivering your keynote speech, you have the opportunity to thank those that have had a massive influence on your life. Um, just say I'd like to thank dot, dot, dot. Who would be on your list, almost like at the Oscars and, and why? <laughs> That's an easy one. That's my mom. Uh, <laughs> always, 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 always my mom. Uh, first and uh -huh. foremost, um, she uh, raised us as a single mom uh, here oh, in wow. Holland, in a country that wasn't her own. That time, you know, I'm born and raised here. My sister's born and raised here. It was the three of us growing up. Um, she came from a family back where she was not allowed as a woman to finish her studies. So she came to, you know, she was in Holland. She worked as a receptionist for over 40 years, got us through private international schooling, uh, moved us out of the public system to be able to give us a better opportunity and wow. used even on that money that she earned, that limited money, even invested in some real estate to give a better life. And we were maybe not doing 
big holidays every year, but she showed us what is, it's, you know, it's not always about what wow. you earn, it's about what's possible mm. and what and the opportunities you create for yourself. And I am where I am today. I think a lot owe it to my mom and I may choose a completely different path being in my own business, mm -hmm. but it's just knowing the possibilities you can create for yourself. Um, it, it's played the biggest role for me in my life. And uh, she's a three times cancer survivor as well. So Holy cow. Um, yeah, so she's been through a lot and just showed yeah. me what you can do, how positivity and how you can just, yeah, be, just achieve whatever you want with whatever you have, actually. Um, so yes, it, it is, it may be a cliche answer for many people, but it's true. It's uh, my inspiration. <laughs> You'd be surprised, actually. I think out of all the people that I've asked, you're the first person to mention oh, mum. <laughs> yeah, a okay. lot of, um, a lot of guys mention their dads, um, okay. especially if their dads have passed away. That. <laughs> seems to be a common answer to this yeah. type of question. But um, yeah, I'm always surprised how many people don't mention their mums. Uh, I think maybe we just take our mums for granted, which probably, probably. we shouldn't do. Uh, but which we shouldn't do. So what's your mum's name? Usha. Usha. Sounds like an absolute legend. Uh, yes, so, uh, wow, that's quite an impressive, uh, quite an impressive resume your mum has, that's for sure. <laughs> so um, yeah, well done, Usha. Awesome. Now, Miss Monica, how do people reach you? How do they uh, connect with you if they want to do that? Um, you can follow me on Instagram, business with Monica. Uh, business with Monica. I'm on LinkedIn under my full name. Uh, obviously, you can check out my website, businesswithmonica.com. And we've provided the link, by the way, for the Desires Over Demographics framework, the four Ds, with a little checklist under each D. So you can download it if you have missed it. So you also know what kind of questions to ask. And you can come on my, you'll be on my email list. So keep in touch that way. Uh, and obviously feel free to reach out if you want to see how I can help work with you. I work with people one-on-one -on -one through my brand growth mentorship. Fantastic. Businesswithmonica.com. Instagram, businesswithmonica. LinkedIn. We'll put the link in the show notes. We'll put the link in the show notes actually as well to your Instagram and to your website. You can get the show notes, uh, of course, from the website. You can get the show notes from whatever podcast app you are listening to this show on. And if you're watching it on YouTube, it'll be in the description. Basically, wherever you, wherever's easiest for you, go grab the, the links. Monica, listen, I, I, I honestly really enjoyed the conversation. You've been an absolute legend. Uh, and um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having one. I really enjoyed it as well. No, oh, it's been great. Honestly, I've got pages of notes. Uh, so we're, we're all good. We're all good. The team hate it because they're going to go, Matt, what are we going to do? I've got lots of good ideas for Monica, guys. Guess what we're going to do? Okay, so we will, of course, link to Monica's info, like I said, in the show notes, which you can get for free along with the transcript at ecommercepodcast.net. Or if you sign up to the newsletter, that will be winging its way direct to your inbox. Again, huge thanks to Monica for joining for me uh, joining me today. Uh, great conversation. And also a big shout out to today's show sponsor, the e-commerce cohort. Uh, they do have some free training, which you can check out online at ecommercecycles.com. So do have a look at that. And also be sure to follow the e-commerce podcast wherever you get your podcast from, because I have got some more great conversations uh, lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them. Now, before we wrap up today's episode, let me take a quick moment to invite you, dear listener, to become a part of the show. 
If you are an e-commerce entrepreneur uh, or an expert in e-commerce in a field somewhere and would like to share your insights and uh, experiences like Monica has done today, well, we would love to hear from you. Or if you know someone who would make a great guest, then do please send them our way. Just head over to our website, ecommercepodcast.net and get in touch. That would be awesome. Genuinely awesome. I'll tell you what else is awesome. Uh, let me put this on. There you go. You are awesome. Uh, just in case no one's told you today, you are created awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear. Monica has to bear it. I have to bear it. You've got to bear it too. Now, the e-commerce podcast is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bainon, Estella Robin, and Tanya Hutzelak. Our theme song was written by Josh Edmondson. And as I mentioned, if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, you can find it all on our website, uh, ecommercepodcast.net. Now, that's it from me. That's it for Monica. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week. I'll see you next time. Bye, Bye. for now.